Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, January 3rd. The war in Ukraine was clearly one of the biggest stories in 2022. We get an update on the Russian invasion now into its 11th month and a look ahead into what we might expect to see in the conflict in 2023 from Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and expert in Eastern European affairs. Home prices rose steadily throughout 2022. Will we finally see some relief in 2023? And how have the seven interest rate hikes over the past year impacted the Calgary real estate market? We get some insight from Colin Bruce, mortgage broker and owner of the Colin Bruce Mortgage Team. Looking to book a trip in the new year? We hear what's in store for the travel industry over the next 12 months from the travel lady herself, Leslie Cater. And finally, it's the motivation you need to hit your fitness goals in 2023. We catch up with the fitness guru, Sandra Buchert-Davison, for some tips to keep you on track with your health and fitness resolutions for the new year. Russia invaded Ukraine in February of 2022, and the war in that region continues. Energy infrastructure still being attacked, but Ukrainian forces are using Western-supplied weapons to fight back. Joining us now with the latest on the war and an insight into 2023 is Canadian Global Affairs Institute fellow Andrew Rasoulis. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, good morning and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Okay, so over the weekend, we know Russia acknowledging some of its troops were killed by a strike from Ukraine. This is one of the first times that they've actually acknowledged a large number of their soldiers have been killed. And is this is just sort of a change in things or is it anything we should be watching for? Well, yes. I mean, what it is, it's actually an escalation in the war um, and, and something the Russians can't hide. So... The uh, the Ukrainians, by using their long-range uh, HIMARS system, the American uh, uh, rocket system, uh, hit uh, a base or a school where uh, Russian recruits were being trained. And, um, well, it was a, a disaster from a Russian point of view. Uh, there appears to have been also ammunition stored in the same location. And also it appears that the Russians did not have very uh, strong discipline for signals communication, meaning that uh, soldiers were allowed to use their private cell phones or mobiles. And so the Ukrainians were able to pick up uh, what was going on and target that, you see. So basically, it's an escalation of the whole war. Uh, and this comes after the, the, New Year, the New Year's Eve speech by Putin, uh, in which he basically acknowledged that Russia now is in a war with the West, the United States, NATO, uh, and Ukraine is simply the proxy in that war. So the New Year's Eve was a major shift in the war from both sides. I mean, the, the, the Russians targeted uh, Kiev again, continuing to hit their infrastructure, and the Ukrainians countered that with this strike on this Russian base. More on the Russian uh, military and their moves, Andrew. We've been hearing more and more about these Iranian-supplied uh, drones and how they are being used with, it seems like, increasing numbers on the attacks uh, how important are the, are the drones, and could they be a game-changer, or, or is it just one more uh, piece in the arsenal that the Russians are using? They're important. They are one more piece in the arsenal. Um, very few weapons are actually game-changers as such. I mean, they influence things. They capture our attention for a while. But uh, wars are actually won and lost on the whole by a variety of weapons, uh, and plus, of course, all the people involved. So the drones. The drones are the, are the weapon of this war, as we see. But uh, the other missiles, the, I mean, the, the artillery system that the Ukrainians used uh, on the Russian base, that's a, that's a very long-standing 20-year-old system, very effective, very precise. So everything's in play. And, and the Russians continue to use very basic artillery, and they pound 
like uh, the, across in Kershaw there, across the, the, the Dnieper River. They're pounding it every day, like in World War II style, with old traditional artillery systems. So everything is in play. The question is the sum total of the lethality that both sides can muster against each other because we're now into a war of exhaustion. Yeah, truly, right? Andrew, do you think that the global food crisis will continue to worsen as this war continues? Is there any end in sight for that? Well, I mean, uh, the one bright spot on that one, actually, uh, was the grain deal that was um, that was uh, brokered by the United Nations and Turkey between Ukraine and Russia to ship grain, uh, uh, both Russian and Ukrainian grain, out of the Black Sea through the Dardanelles and two places in, in the global south. Uh, to help to alleviate uh, the, the food shortages. So in that sense, there is a recognition, because it serves both the self-interest of Ukraine and Russia, uh, to do this. So food will continue to come through because it's in mutual interest to do that. I don't think the war is going to affect that right now. What about within Russia and uh, Vladimir Putin's favor among his people? Is that uh, taking a hit whatsoever? What are we hearing about the Russian people and their resolve as far as a war that was perhaps not chosen by them to take part in? Exactly. So uh, let's let's look at uh, his address on New Year's Eve. Uh, major change. And he's, he's done this 20 times before. But this time, he's usually from the Kremlin. This time, he went down to the southern military district, uh, in where, which, which is where the Russians are running their war from. And he had arrayed behind him uh, a phalanx of Russian soldiers uh, standing shoulder to shoulder behind him. And this was directed to Russia, the Russian people. So what he's doing, he's doing a major switch. He's now telling the Russian people, we, Russia, all of you Russians, are now involved in this major war against the West. And that's a major shift. Now, in part, people say he's catering to the Russian ultranationalists. True. Who want more war, who want to really destroy Ukraine. But the average Russian basically is kind of neutral in this. They're not against it. They're not against it. Uh, they're kind of passively okay. And what Putin is now telling them is that the war affects you. Like before he was kind of like, we can carry on without you being affected. No. Now you will be affected, and you must marshal your spirit to help Russia defeat the West. Ukraine is now a proxy. So that is a shift. How this balances out over the next few months, we don't know. But Putin right now has done a major shift in how he's managing the war domestically. Okay, so Andrew, on that note, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but we will in February be at the one-year mark of this war. How do you think things will play out in 2023? Do you think we see a resolution this year at all, or will it just continue? What we can, uh, well, like, it could be months, could be years, but let me tell you why. First of all, there is now zero um, um, consensus for any kind of a political or settlement at all, nor is there consensus for even a ceasefire for a variety of reasons. Both in late December, there was a flurry of diplomatic activity between Russia uh, and and uh, Ukraine about their various peace proposals. They were totally non-starters from both sides. So that meant there's nothing to talk about. There's only fighting left. Now, with fighting left, and that's what's happening, this is, we're having a controlled escalation. It's going up, not down, in terms of the fighting. That fighting will determine the political situation that we have right now cannot foresee because we don't know exactly how the war will go. The war will shape it, and we can't predict how the war will go. Both armies are very strong still, 
and I, we cannot write off one or the other nor predetermine how the war will go. So therefore, I can't give you a political solution or a, or a prognosis, but I can simply say the war will shape it. It could be months. It could be years. But we're into a war of exhaustion now. Mm-hmm. We know that, uh, you know, uh, very late in 2022, uh, President Volodymyr Zelensky making the move to, to travel uh, to, to the U.S. He seems to be saying all the right things and uh, doing all the right things to continue the support. Could he be doing more to get more support, or is he doing exactly what he needs to do at this time? It's hard to imagine how he could do more. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, if anyone, I mean, he's Times Man of the Year and all that stuff. I mean, uh, the, and this guy has an acting background, so that plays to his favor. He could actually. He staged man, and he started right from the day of the war started by doing these self-video things from uh, from outside the presidential offices in Kiev when when the first bombs were hitting. So he has staged managed this politically and brilliantly. So he, no, I don't think he can do more. Um, the question, and, and he's gotten a tremendous result from the West. I mean, the amount of stuff that's pouring into Ukraine is phenomenal. The question for him and for Ukrainians is not so much Western support being sustained, although that's a question. It's their their own Ukrainian ability to keep the army in position to fight because they have limited amount of people and, and their casualty rates are high on both sides. But there are more Russians than there are Ukrainians. And so that's going to be a challenge for Ukraine, as well as these continued Russian effects on their infrastructure. Um, because societies run on power and electricity, and and basically the Russians are continually hammering at the Ukrainian ability to run a modern economy, um, and so this is where the thing turns. But I think Zelensky has done everything he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, where does this all play out? Andrew, thanks so much for your time, and happy New Year to you. Thanks for joining us again. You're very welcome. Thank you to you too, both. Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. A consistent interest rate hikes throughout 2022 caused home prices to stay high. We started to see prices go down a little bit in December, but there's still a lot of uncertainty as we enter the new year. So with a look back at 2022 and what to expect from 2023, we're checking in this morning with mortgage broker and owner of a Colin Bruce mortgage team, Colin Bruce himself. Hi, Colin. Hi, thanks for having me on. Hey, so thanks so much for joining us. Can we look back and sort of wrap up 2022 with a bow? Is there anything that you would say about it that, uh, you know, maybe we can just kind of put the final look at it and then move into 2023? Well, you know, I was even thinking the last couple of years, but if you look at 2022, it was the real estate market was really skewed for the first six months, like interest rates were at record lows. People still had really low pre-approval rates, and there was such a push to get into that market, right, which drove housing prices up. And then the latter half of 2022, I mean, the housing market slowed a little bit, but and then you slowly saw prices come down. Hopefully, we have a nice balanced 2023. Mm. So as we enter, the prices were down. Are they remaining steady, Colin, at this point? Are we seeing any changes as we move into January? Uh, nothing yet. The new real estate numbers come out in, I think, on Thursday here. But, you know, I it's from what we've heard, we think 2023 is going to be a much more stable market. Like, even if you think of the last couple of years, you had uh, 2020 flat and then COVID hit and it was really slow. And then all of a sudden, everybody was buying homes, mm-hmm. right, because interest rates had dropped. And then, again, skewed for the first half year of 2022 and slowed down. So hopefully 2023, normal. Let's talk about the interest rates rising because that obviously had an enormous Mm -hmm. effect on people. So how do you know when there's the right time to buy, especially now with so much uncertainty? Will they even go up even further? 
Well, there's talk that the prime rate will probably increase another half a point in 2023. You're not going to see, or we shouldn't see the 0.5% increases, but maybe a couple quarter point increases. But the market's a little backwards. The five-year fixed rates, we have as low as 4.49% today, for example, where the best adjustable rate we have is prime minus 1.1. So you're at 5.35, right? Um, When we're... If you look at pre-COVID, March 2020, the five-year fixed rates were anywhere from 389 to 409. So, I mean, what I'm saying is the five-year fixed rates are just about normal, what they were pre-COVID. Wow. Yeah, although with these rate increases, and we were told time and time again, Colin, that, you know, always variable will win in the long term. But some people who have been on variable have seen their monthly costs go up hundreds of dollars. Are you getting many calls about that, about people wanting to be kind of rescued from these high costs? And, and what do you recommend to people? Well, yeah, yes, we are. And I mean, I probably answered that same question a couple times a day. I mean, I guess it really depends on what you think is going to happen with the prime rate. Do you think in a few years from now that the prime rate will decrease and will be low enough? that the interest you would save will offset the higher interest you'd pay in the first few years while the adjustable rates are higher than the fixed. And that I don't know. Um, you know, if it was me going into the market right now, I would probably go with a five-year fixed rate. The mortgages are portable and you can take it to a new property, but I mean, it also depends on your risk and rewards. Mm-hmm. Like I think 449, albeit a lot higher than what it was the last couple of years at record low rates, like that's still a normal, decent rate. Do we ever go back down to those record low rates, do you think? Do we ever see that again? Uh, I don't think so, unless we have another pandemic, and hopefully that never Ooh. happens again. Don't, I know don't I, even I say it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Let's talk about those first-time buyers. If, if you get the phone call or somebody pops by the office, call them. What do you tell them? I know that a few well, months ago, in, in early in 2022 and in late 2021, there were bidding wars. So if I was going in looking at a $500,000 mortgage, I wouldn't be asking for to qualify for $500,000. So what are you telling new buyers these days? Well, no, you're exactly right. You know, um, I mean, it's important, of course, come in, get pre-qualified, make sure you know what your maximum amount you can qualify for, but make sure you're also comfortable with those payments. And, I mean, really just make sure you're working with a, a good mortgage professional and a really good real estate agent that you're comfortable with. And, I mean, if you do a lot of the legwork up front and get pre-approved and make sure all your ducks are in a row, then it shouldn't be that stressful. I mean, it's still stressful out shopping, finding your Mm -hmm. dream home, but try to alleviate some of it up front. Before we let you go, uh, will the rules against foreign buyers snapping up property in Canada help us at all? I don't think necessarily in Alberta. I mean, probably BC and, and Ontario, yes, but Alberta, not yet. Well, I guess time will tell here. I mean, it's a good thing probably to try and alleviate some of the pressures for so Canadians can get into housing for Mm -hmm. sure Colin thanks for your time this morning and your insight we appreciate it oh me too I appreciate it thank you as Colin Bruce mortgage broker and owner of Colin Bruce mortgage team traveling before and during the holidays boy it was like the wild west out there will it settle down and can airlines ever earn our trust back with some answers and what it looks like for traveling into 2023 we're joined this morning by the travel lady herself leslie cater hi leslie happy new year good morning so happy new year to you pleasure to chat with you hope you had a wonderful holiday um i'm assuming since you're the travel lady you traveled somewhere (laughs) actually no i didn't what 
Okay, well, there are a lot of people that did, obviously, and we know, yeah. you know, through the pandemic and finishing off 2022, cancelled flights, lost luggage. Mm-hmm. It was a difficult time for travellers and for those of you in the travel industry. What are we looking for as we move into 2023? Well, you know, despite this horrible start to the year with all the delays and lost baggage, the predictions are that travel this year is going to be even bigger than 2019, pre-pandemic. And I think there's a lot of confidence in the industry we just see with new players coming onto the scene, preparing to spend billions of dollars on new product, that uh, that is going to be a really interesting thing to see how they fill up these new hotels, new ships, Uh, definitely there's demand there. The confidence, and you say the demand will remain high. People want to get out and travel. But when do you think we're going to see things smooth out? Because I know that uh, reading online, a lot of people might not have the confidence who've made some trips and and not had the best luck. Can we see things smoothing out in the next uh, few months? Well, I think they will. You know, it it was, in fairness to the airlines and the airports, an unprecedented uh, amount of uh, bad weather that they had to deal with. Of course, it's disappointing that some of the airlines had to cancel flights out of Saskatchewan that Sunwing has done that but I think proactively that was a good thing to do because they needed to catch up and also I think the industry is suffering from having lost so many of its experienced people mm-hmm. I think maybe they were uh, boomers who was a, uh, were about to retire and when COVID came along, they thought, oh, maybe this is a good time for me. So I think that there's a lot of younger people who are maybe gaining experience as they work in this job. And it's not easy when you have an airport full of yeah. uh, annoyed people. So true. Leslie, who's traveling right now? Is it the typical, you know, the snowbird, the older folks, the older demographic? Or are we seeing young people really realizing that uh, they want to be hitting the road and do a little more traveling? Yeah, you know, young people, I was quite surprised at this. There was a recent uh, survey by Expedia, and they said that 80% of respondents between the ages of 18 and 34 said that they would be willing to spend up to 25% more on their holidays. Now, when you look at that age group, you kind of think, oh, you know, traveling on, uh, you know, a very low budget, staying in hostels. But no, it's changing. And and these kids have got money. Incredible. Looking forward to it. And uh, just uh, before we let you go, any trend, any place that is going to be big Mm. in 2023? Oh, look, Egypt started off very good at the end of last year, and I think this is going to be a destination that we're going to see more of. Uh, There's more new destinations coming. I'm quite excited about Colombia for 2024. There's going to be a river cruise on the Magdalena River. So that's a new place that we can go and explore as well. So as the travel industry becomes more robust, we're going to see more options. You want to travel, you want to do it right, you get in touch with the travel lady, thetravellady.ca online. Thanks so much, Leslie. Thanks, Sue. Leslie Cater is the travel lady uh, on other social medias at the travel lady. You can find her there. It's like a motivational Monday on a Tuesday, but also the conversation you may need if you want to try and hit your fitness goals in 2023. Joining us this morning is Sandra Bukert Davison, personal trainer and owner operator of One on One Personal Fitness. Hi, Sandra. Good morning, Sue. Happy New Year to you. 
Happy New Year. Okay. Well, you need to motivate us. You need to help us out. And I hate that whole, you know, it's January 1st. We have to change everything about everything because it's, you know, you're just asking for failure. But it is on the top of most people's resolution list to try and get in shape, to change whatever they're doing the year before. So, okay, what if you've never set foot in a gym? What do you do when it goes to, you know, I need to choose a gym or do we even need a gym membership? What do you think? You know, yeah, you know, I agree with you. I mean, COVID showed us that you can work out online and still get great and still get great results. But before you do that, I'm going to suggest you go online and complete what's called a PAR Med X. So that's a physical activity readiness questionnaire. And it takes the uh, individual through some questions that are going to assess how ready they are to start a fitness program. And with certain yeses, yeah, you're going to need to go and get your doctor's blessing. Yeah, that's huge. Be safe about it. Now, mm-hmm. I know anybody who's met with you or trained with you, like Sue and I have both yep. done in the past, Sandra, know that you are whole. You're not just, okay, this is the one exercise or just exercise. So I want to ask you about the relationship between diet and exercise is one more important than the other to hitting our goal, Sandra? I think they're married. I think you need to marry your nutrition with your exercise. Let's face it, that protein you're about to consume is going to be repairing your muscles, um, helping you to stay fuller longer, and it's going to help you ward off getting sick or in infections. So what you eat is going to be rebuilding your body. Good whole grains, fresh fruits, vegetables, uh, good fats to protect your nerves and your skin and your organs. So a balanced diet needs to support the training you're about to do. Now, speaking of training, I know just, you know, from working out with you, it's more important as we get older to do weights a little more often. And and that sort of goes against what most people think. You know, it's funny. I had a woman say that to me a couple days ago that she thought the whole weights training piece was a hoax. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not, right? So tell us why. It's not because then all of a sudden when she's able to lift groceries more easily, pick up the kids, carry her briefcase or your backpack, you realize those day-to-day things become that much easier. And a light bulb goes on that holy cow, I really needed to be stronger. Sandra, so it is, it is important. It, it's important, but at the same time, I want to ask you about getting that start again. I want to bring it back a bit because... Maybe you were in a fog, not you, but maybe somebody was in a fog on, maybe me. on December. Maybe could be so. Let's use Sue as an example. December 31, enjoying some great food, maybe having a, a, a couple of Proseccos or mm-hmm. a couple of bottles, mm-hmm. setting these resolutions, and then the first rolls along. You're feeling sluggish, you're on the couch, you're binging shows, but still in the back of your mind, you're going to start. And then there's yesterday, the second, you're going to start the next day. Can you give, and I know this is kind of a magic pill, can you give some advice? to make that very first move off the couch to start that routine after you've been either never been to the gym, never done a fitness journey of sorts, or it's been a long time. What can you tell somebody in that case? Start uh, slowly and build up. I think we make fitness into this big mystical event, and it doesn't need to be that. Honestly, even if someone's training resistance-wise twice a week for 30 minutes, that is a huge difference. 
okay? Start gradually, build up, even 10 minutes. You guys, I lie to my clients all the time. Oh, we're just going to do 10 minutes of cardio. You look up (laughs) and they've done 15 or 20 minutes. We can do more than we tell ourselves. So start slowly and then gradually build up. Or if I may, work it into your day. After dinner, go walking with your spouse or your kids. Work out during the lunch hour. Or if you know your day goes to hell in a handbasket because you're so busy, start the morning off with you and then let the day rip. And I think the word start is kind of the key one, right? Just do it. Do something. Get yourself moving. Just do something. And then it will start to, you know, snowball, right? But in terms of a personal trainer, I'm, uh, I am notoriously lazy. So I love having a personal trainer because it's someone that you are kind of, um, you know, beholden to. Why do you think people need or should look into a personal trainer side of things? Yeah, you've hit a few good ones. Being accountable. I mean, people need that pull to get out of the office. I had a woman renew just yesterday, and her whole thing was she would stay over the lunch hour and just work. Having that session forces her to get out of the office, look after herself, and she says when she goes back, she's clearer. So absolutely the accountability piece and also the learning how to exercise safely piece. We get people that come in that go online, try to find a program, and they're trying to do things that they shouldn't be doing. It's too advanced, or they're just not doing things correctly. So having that person who can walk around, check you, correct you, help you to understand what you're doing and why is really important. That check-in, that's huge. Sandra, I want to ask you this because it's connected to that check-in to a certain extent, but kind of a check-in with yourself. And that is, to me, I think that a lot of people, this is just my opinion, lose faith when they don't see results in a few days, mm-hmm. maybe in a week. And a phrase that you use quite frequently that I'm hoping you can explain and break down for the listeners as well is trust the process. What does that mean to you and how is the process going to, to propel your success? Oh, I'm going to try and answer it by saying this. Some of us had a bundle put in our arms, a newborn baby. And uh, when we first got that baby in our arms, we're like, oh, my gosh, you know, what am I going to do? Well, 18 years go by and you have a six-foot person standing in front of you, and in my case, my son. Um, Just because you can't see change on a day-to-day basis doesn't mean that change isn't happening. So in the same way that we went from having a baby in our arms to an adult a few years later, fitness is very um, gradual. So use your clothes as a means of progress. If your clothes are fitting you looser, pay attention to that. Your clothes have been with you for a while and they know where you've been. Sometimes you might not even see that pounds are coming off, but the inches are coming off. Let that encourage you to keep going because over time it builds on itself. And don't give up, right? If you, you know, two weeks from now, if you kind of, you slow down a little bit, don't give up, keep going, correct? Keep going or form a pact. Have a buddy that the two of you sort of set a bed or egg each other on or with your spouse. Get more people involved with you. The more that's in there, the, the more support you have or the more encouragement you have, they can help you through those bumps along the way. Incredible. Uh, just the, the conversation we need, and you're our first guest of 2023, mm-hmm. Sandra. So we appreciate you getting up early with us. Not that you don't get up early anyway, uh, but we appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, guys.
talking to. That is Sandra Buchert Davison, personal trainer, owner and operator of one-on-one personal fitness over 30 years in the city. You want to find out more about what she does? It's one-on-onefitness.ca.